Obsessed and So Obscure, Matt Berry Music Podcast. I'm Courtney, and as always, we have Jesse. Hi. And Tara. Hello. Today, we are overjoyed to welcome a special guest to the show. If you're a regular listener, you're already familiar with Phil Scrag from his work as bassist with the Maples and with Milkbone, where he also fills in on guitar, organ, and synth. What you might not know is that Phil is also a respected writer, producer, and music teacher, and that he's played with numerous bands, including Just East, Red Lodge, the awesomely named Sax Appeal, and with Robert Plant. Most recently, he's recorded with David Migdon and the Twisted Roots on their newest album, Lit Up Like a Fruit Machine, which launched February 12th. Phil, thanks for being here. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hi. Hello. So I guess let's just start at the beginning. How did you initially connect with Matt and start uh, collaborating? Um, Okay, well, this actually does go, um, I was mentioning um, before we actually started recording that I've been teaching today. And that has been a part of my life as a musician has been teaching quite a bit. And uh, I taught at a college in Kent with a guy called James Sedge, who I think you know, right? So James, uh, who was, as well as being the drummer with Matt, actually ran the course at this college down in Tunbridge in Kent. And um, uh, there was a student there, or ex-student, I should say, because he was already uh, in his 20s, by the name of Andy Vickery. Are you guys familiar with Andy? Yeah, of course. He he was a guitarist for a long time with Matt. He was there... So Andy was actually the very first connection with Matt. Now, Andy was a sort of, really was a a prodigy, like 17 years old. He was already an amazing guitarist. And I think he was probably, he might have been about that age when he first met Matt. And he was in a little power trio, I think you might call it, with a a young drummer and bass player who were brothers. And you're going to have to forgive me, I cannot quite remember their names. George and Charlie, and I cannot remember their surname, who were both kids of a a guy called Ray Russell, guitarist who wrote a lot of film music over here, as well as being a session player on a lot of um, a lot of quite um, big albums from the 70s. Uh, and I think, to be honest, that was probably what excited Matt was, was probably because <laughs> being a fan of that era of music, right. probably found, knew about Ray, found out about the, you know, that he had these kids who music and then somehow found this entire band. Now, you know, this was all quite new to Matt at this point, sort of, he was writing some songs and he decided he wanted to perform them live. So he went out initially with those three guys as his band. And those were, those were Matt's first, as far as I, as I know, as I understand it, those was kind of Matt's first kind of like proper performances doing his own material with a band. And that, that ran for a while. And for various reasons, um, the two brothers dropped out. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure why, but Andy was still there. And then, so Matt said, "Well, Andy, you know, uh, I need another band. So <laughs> to get in, he went. Well, I don't really know anyone, you know, my age or my contemporaries that'd be good enough." He said, "But my teachers were good." So he, um, so he, oh. uh, so he asked James to come and do it. And um, so I think James joined. And um, I'm going to jump around a little bit. So this band, The Twisted Roots. Uh, that I was we were mentioning originally James was the drummer in the Twisted Roots along with Graham Mann now Graham is our keyboard player and stunt trombone player in the <laughs> in Matt's band right so it was actually um Graham and James and Andy uh now let me think who else was that was it just them and then I think Cecilia was already there 
Cecilia Fage. Um, and I think that was the band that then did the, the next tour. Um, at that point there, I wasn't, I think I just started working at the, um, working on the course. And um, I had at the time, Ollie, my son, who's out gigging tonight, <laughs> was very young. And I was actually the principal uh, kind of carer for Ollie. And Je- Andy said, oh, I would have asked you, but I knew you wouldn't be able to come out on tour because you look- have to look after the three-year-old, the four-year-old, however Ollie old, you know. So um, fast forward, not that, you know, a few years later, and and Matt was doing these gigs, these tours. They, they were not that frequent, um, you know, because it, it always had to obviously fit in with his demands of everything he was doing tv and and and, and yeah exactly yeah which has always been for him you know <laughs> his incredibly successful acting career is just an impediment to being a musician yeah right? yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it pays but... it pays the bills <laughs> yeah. Again, um, but uh yeah. yeah so anyway at some point there, there was a there was a point where basically they were about to go out on tour and about a week before they were going out on tour the bass player at the time had to drop out. Something came up big that he couldn't say no to. So I got a phone call saying, can you come and do Matt's tour? Very short notice. Um, and I went, yeah, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so what happened was, let me get it right. Two nights before the tour started, uh, I went down to Tunbridge to rehearse. I met Matt for the very first time. And I'd been learning, they'd sent me these songs to learn and I'd kind of like been charting them out by hand from the recordings or whatever. And um, I was quite nervous to meet Matt really, but you know, he was he was very nice and made me feel sort of very relaxed. Uh, except when I started playing. Oh <laughs> gosh. After about three numbers in, he was in hysterics. He was just Ooh. looking at me and crying with laughter. <gasps> what is it? And, and I, you, you, what you guys probably don't know about me is I do bass face, if you know the phenomenon of bass. I do a lot of <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to be able to change now. And basically, he was just in stitches about some expressions I was pulling. But he was pleased that I was into the music and that I was doing <laughs> enough into it to be doing that. So I was, it was <laughs> fucking hilarious. Stop That's playing funny. and like, realize this guy's just crying with laughter, staring at me. Oh <laughs> my gosh! I would have just like left. I'd been like, like, okay, it was fun. Nice meeting you. Bye. <laughs> right. yeah. So, so I felt a bit kind of like so. And we had we rehearsed for about two, three hours, and then you know. Um, that was it. And, th- and then he said, oh, by the way, we're going to do this tune called The Pheasant tomorrow night. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> you didn't say that. Yeah, that's not on the list. He said, well, I think we'll be doing this. So I had to learn The Pheasant the next day and go to the rehearsal the next evening. Oh, my God. And not like that's a, a simple song either. No. It's not a song at all. Um, and, uh, and then the next day we were in the bus and on our way to the first gig, which I think was in uh, Bristol. That's right. It was in Bristol. And um, Wow. So we had a total. I had a, so probably had a total of about six hours rehearsal for that tour, I should think. Um, <laughs> and believe me, that's, you couldn't tell. You couldn't that's tell. That's normal for Matt. Matt does. He's really like you know. Normally, a tour is one day is one afternoon's rehearsal before we go out on tour. And, and <laughs> this then is it's like, like I know it, so you know, <laughs> y'all will catch on, right? Keep up. Yeah. <laughs> we get through it somehow. We get through it. We do. Yeah, and it, that's and it, crazy. And it works. But uh, that's that is kind of. Again, it's partly Matt's schedule. Just means we can't we can't do it any other way. It's yeah. so often he's kind of like, I've got an interview. I've got to do. I've just oh, I'm flying back from America here. Then I've got two days, and but I've got to fit in these interviews and talk about this. But yeah, I think there's a three hour slot here where we could get a rehearsal in. 
Uh, and so that's that's kind of how it went. Anyway, so I did uh, I, I did this fill-in um, tour and I thought, well, that's great, you know, and I enjoyed it. And um, Matt and I, it, straight away, it was kind of like the first day, you know, because I was feeling, you know, so you're a bit, of, you're a bit of a fish out of water. It's a band that they all know each other and they're all, you know, used to doing the thing. And you're the new guy. So you get, I got on the bus and just Matt came and just sat next to me straight away and went, hello. And I went, oh, hi. And uh, <laughs> I think I had a copy of this music magazine, Sound on Sound. And he went, oh, you got Sound on Sound. He said, oh, what's, what's one of the latest articles? And we suddenly realised that we're both basically complete nerds about <laughs> and synth. And, you know, and we just discovered we had this incredible commonality in terms of the music we loved and how records are made. We're really fascinated by it. And then I was able to tell him a couple of like, Stories which I, you know, which I've never, no, no one else has ever been impressed by. Like I, I, I went to dinner with um this guy Vangelis. Do you know Vangelis? The yeah, of course. Yes. yeah. Yes. I went to dinner. He cooked dinner for me and a band I was in once. We went to his house and then at the end of the evening we were all kind of just lying around drinking wine and he had his entire studio set up reproduced in his incredible luxury flat in North in um by Hyde Park. And he said, okay, now I'm going to play for you guys. He had a brandy and a big cigar. Oh, my gosh. And he just, we just lay on the floor while he improvised this big hour, hour-long hour set on synth. And Matt was going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You met Van Get, you know. And kind of I can imagine his reaction yeah. to that, yeah. He was completely sort of, you know. Um, and anyway, so we just ended up chatting loads. And, you know, the geek, the tour went well. And it just, it just worked out that the guy, the guy who I was filling in for, the work that he'd been offered – was, you know, it was something really that he wanted to do. And he, he was getting a lot of production work, um, the guy as well. And so they just said, look, he's not really that fussed about doing it again. Do you want to just carry on doing the tours now? You might as well. You've learned the stuff now. So I went, all right. Uh, <laughs> so you started on the Kill the Wolf tour then? Uh, yeah, that it would be 20. I remember it was, I think, tw- 2012, 2013. You probably know better than I me. Think, yeah, I think, what was it, 2013 it was, was Kill the Wolf? I thought 2013. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it would have been Kill the Wolf, because I remember we were doing things like, uh, yeah. So you the already presence. knew. Oh, my you knew, God. Yeah, you knew James and you knew Cecilia and, and Graham. Andy and Graham, yeah. So I was kind of like, but, the, you know, it was, it was, and then I met Cecilia and, of course, Mark Morris right. um, was on there as well. And it was just, it was just, it was, you know, fun from the get-go, really. It was, um... It was very, it was very easy, and um, musically, it was just like such a good fit for me. More so, actually, than a lot of music I've ever played in my life. Because, you know, this is this is the thing that um, I guess I should t- talk a bit more about. Is is this because Matt and I are separated in age? By God, I'm I'm quite a bit older than him. I'm what fourteen years older than him, something like that. But our musical, our, you know, I, I used to say to him, "How come you love all the albums I love? You should be." And he went, I don't know. It's just like these; those were the ones that I listened to when I was growing up. You know, he said he was yeah. getting them. I said, you know, they were the ones for me as well. And we just got this, you know, this real sort of common ground of of musical, yeah. you know, the, we loved listening to. I totally that's- get that because it's the same thing for me. I, I, that's all the music. I mean, Matt's a couple of years older than me, but like. Yeah. I love all the music from like the late 60s and the early 70s because that's what my mom listened to. That's yeah. what I grew up listening to. And it's just, I love it. That's what I've always been drawn to. My mom always says I was like born in the wrong time. So, and I think that's also why I was drawn to Matt's music too, because it's very much a throwback sound. So it's cool. Totally. I mean, he's, you know, he is a, he's um, completely, um, 
I'm I didn't want to use. I was trying to avoid the word obsessed, but, but there is a certain <laughs> like, that's okay. We use that word all the time. Obsession <laughs> with the sound, the sound world, and and the atmosphere that's created by you know he he's in a way he Matt's in fact more old school than me because I think he's really obsessed with getting a sixties sound on a lot yeah. of his recordings. Yeah, I'm probably more a seventies sound with what I, is what I kind of like. Um, but what I think we both like is. Um, there's got to be a level of imperfection mm-hmm. in, in the right in the right sort of way. No, I don't think we're we're that interested in something that sounds too polished. If you know what I mean, it's got to have like a painting's got to have like some little fault in it, or something that draws your eye and, and something that draws your ear. And um, with with the when we did uh, the Milkbone album, that was something I think we were both really aware of was. We kept saying, should we get Santo in? Like, should we get Andy in to play guitar? I'm like, no, he's too good. <laughs> in a way, for what it was, he was too good. And we said, should we get Graham in to play synth? So we went, no, he's, he's too good. We, it's got to be a little bit... Rough around the edges. A little bit. What we And also, yeah. we were playing what we heard in our heads, and we had a real direct connection to, to that music. And we didn't really want to have to explain it to someone else and try and get them to do it. Although they could probably have done it better than us, ultimately. Right. Like, we really feel, you know, we know that this is just coming straight out from what we listen to into our hands and, and you know, and we'll we'll play it as best we can. And if it sounds a little bit, what's the word we can't use? Wonky. Got to keep the wonk. <laughs> the wonk. That's what you always say. It's got to have the wonk in it, all the music. Otherwise, it kind of... That's so funny. I'm sure the way the album was recorded contributed to that too, since it was during quarantine and everyone was in their Absolutely. own studios, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it, it totally was. Um I'm going to share something with you, which I may change my mind about, if that's all right. This um, this recording with with that was was kind of very important to me because uh, in 2019, my wife was killed in a car accident. Oh, um, oh my god! I'm so and, sorry. And uh, Matt was very supportive to me throughout that thing, but not only was he supportive, he tried to keep me busy as well. Um, sort of in the in, in the time after that after that happened. And this album was a big part of that. Uh, yeah. He, he kind of like would keep pushing me to sort of do things for a, a time when perhaps I, you know, it was, you know, I was trying to keep, you know, keep life going, keep my son, you know, and everything like that, you know, keep that all on course. Uh, and, it, you know, music was not necessarily foremost in my mind, but of course, in the end, it became, uh, mm-hmm. you know, something that really, really helped me, I think. Um yeah. And, um, you know, and I think Matt, in a very sort of like, it's not so much that I was aware of it until afterwards, but I thought, yeah, he, you know, because I think I, I actually wrote the type, the track that became, I think, Milkbone. Hmm. I just wrote that, like messing around. I was trying to keep myself bit. I sent it to Matt. I said, is this any good? And he wrote back. He said, you know, it is. We should do an album.
that's actually my favorite track on the entire album. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, I'm really like, yeah. So that was the that was the kicking off point. Was that was that track? And oh. um, and then he uh, so then we just started. So he um, he started kind of like pushing me to keep writing things, and then he'd send me sometimes quite small fragments of things. But the the um, Oh, I know what it was. Actually, it was the uh, the 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 one that really made us know it was going to work was there's an uh, a track called Two Sequences. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. that was Matt sent me three bits of music, and I had just written something, and it's in. Um, I'm trying to think. It's a time. Oh, yeah, see, a lot of it's in seven eight. That track, if that if if that's if we can get a bit technical, he happened to send me these things that were in seven eight. They were the same tempo, totally coincidentally, and the same key. That's oh, what wow. I've been writing. We put them, to, I layered them on top of each other. Literally, there are places where what I wrote the day before and what he sent me, I just literally put them on top of each other and went, oh. <laughs> so, I mean, they, huh, that's uh, crazy. That's up. weird. Yeah. So that's how it worked then. You just, because I, some of it was done during lockdown too, right? It was pretty much all during lockdown. All so it was during all lockdown. sending things back and forth, back and forth. And 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 wow. first of all, it was I did quite a lot of drum programming, and Matt hate program drums. <laughs> and he said, and I was going like, well, you know, it gives us a good idea. And I, I actually I thought some of it, you know, I work hard on my drum programming, and and I think I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. But he went, no, he said, let's get James. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> um, I went, yeah, you're probably right. I said, well, I'll try it, but I'm going, I reserve the right to fire him if I don't like it. He went, yeah, all right. <laughs> and, and it was the same with James. The first track I sent James, he went like, you know, he just did it. He sent the track back and I went, oh my God, that's absolutely exactly the drums I'd love to hear on there. And and so we just carried on like that, which was a very it was like a leapfrogging thing. Um, I would write pieces, send them to Matt. Um, Matt's he's quite fast the way he works, so you can probably guess that he's he's like yeah, that, he's right. very kind of like um, mercurial, if you like, and he'll jump around from thing to thing. He, you know, he doesn't want to spend too long on things, whereas I can be nose to the grindstone and just chip away and chip away until I think something is right. Uh, and and sometimes you know I think that actually worked quite well those 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 two sort of aspects to things, uh, and sometimes I'd chip away and chip and I'd, I'd I'd do something for you know days, send it to Matt and you go cut that up there, cut that up there, swatch that one round there, turn that bit over there, and I go really put it all together. He say yeah you've put that bit in the wrong place. That's obviously should be there. And, I go like, and so I'd cut it round. He's running. <laughs> you know it, it's. Um, so there was the, there was um, I mean I I don't think he'd, he'd he he wouldn't you know have any problem with me saying that but I probably did in terms of like getting the album produced and everything like that I probably did most of the uh, the heavy lifting on that but as you know it absolutely would never ever ever have been made without Matt pushing me to sort of keep oh. doing it and keep saying oh no no question I told him I said you know you have you know because he you know I said you've got no idea this would never have happened without yeah. you you know so. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of it was it was it is something that I, I you know I was very proud of being you know having done it 
And um, yeah, we are working on another one. Believe it or not, in fact, I've got, I've got hard drives full of things. Um, oh, good. We were going to ask you if you were yeah, planning we to do another um, one. We've been, doing, we've been trying some different things. I spent a couple of days with James playing live together, just jamming, just recording and recording, just bass and drums. But I, I prepared some synth loops and things like that. And we've got some really interesting stuff to that, which Matt has now got. Um, when he gets a minute, he may be okay. <laughs> <laughs> a minute, right. Yeah. We have but, to ask because we're all curious. Yeah. Where did the name Milkbone come from? Why Milkbone? Um, Matt was doing a late night shoot of um, what we do in the shadows in a pet shop. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the end aisle and found a bag of Milkbone. <laughs> sent me a photo <laughs> Sent me a photo of it going like that. And I went, well, that's the name. That should be the name of the band. And um, he went, you're joking, aren't you? But then Ollie, my son, came and said, yeah, that's a really good name. <laughs> that's good. so funny. Because we're like, do they not have milk bone there for, like, dogs? No, no, like, <laughs> Where did that come from? Don't ask me why. But he was, yeah, he was literally, he sent me a photo. He was in costume pointing at this bag of milk. <laughs> I can just see that. Yeah, I can too. Famous Matt Berry point. Pointing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, That's so funny. So we went like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that works. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Oh my god. We thought it was something deeply poetic. It could be right. deeply poetic. It could also be deeply rude in um in in uh, in some ways, especially if you if you look at the cover of the album, which okay. is which it's a detail of, but I don't know if you guys know that painting. Again, you might want to cut this yeah. out. Pretty obvious what it is when you see <laughs> the painting in full, which is basically a huge male appendage. <laughs> it's done in the style of Francis Bacon, the painter. It's really a lovely painting. But um, Matt, again, this is just what Matt will do to you. So he's kind of saying, we need some art. He said, oh, I think I've got a really good idea for the cover. And he just, <laughs> he goes, there you go. And I go, this cover. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do love it. I mean, that we knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, that he used that painting in Toast of London. Yeah, that's and right. In Francis yeah, and yeah. in Tinseltown. Yeah, yeah, it was in Francis Bacon's. Uh, it's like a little, flat. yeah, yeah. So funny. Uh, yeah, so there you go. So that's where, the, that's where the, the name came from. And that's kind of how the whole Milkbone thing happened. Yeah. It was built out of tragedy. Yeah, this sort of thing happens to everyone, doesn't it? And it, is, it does kind of inform the story quite quite a lot really well it does and just because it happens to everybody doesn't mean yeah. it's any less significant i mean that's that's huge yeah. and yeah you know tragic and you know it's kind of like with covid also in general you know obviously covid was horrible for so many reasons but in a way with so many creative people being locked down a lot of good and interesting things came from I it totally, too like i totally milkbone. agree with you and i think there will be a lot more i think we're yeah. going to see more over the next couple of years i think of things that people have kind of worked on through that, mm -hmm. that period i think it, well i mean to be honest this you know this album uh the twisted roots album that wouldn't have happened again that that's definitely came out of covid because um david migdon oh. who's the songwriter and singer had really kind of like he dried up with his writing and he kind of like moved, he'd moved away into, I mean, we were still playing a bit, but not much. And he was kind of like putting all his energy into doing massive cycling races and running and, oh, wow. and 
and um, going up, you know, going abroad to site. Yeah, you know, that's just seemed to be where he really wanted to devote his energies. And then COVID came, and he was suddenly locked down again, literally. You know, and um, he came up with this out very quickly. He wrote an entire album's worth of songs, and then we started rehearsing them. And um and then got it you know wow. got, got the album recorded pretty quickly sort of immediately after after that I'm excited that for it that's crazy to me yeah I listened to um there's one album on on Spotify which was the first one I listened to because that was the only one I knew of and I love it um, um yeah I listened to it wasn't what I expected at all I don't know what I was expecting really but I just I immediately was like oh my gosh this sounds like super authentic. Louisiana and New there's Orleans. A of, yeah, there's it's, a lot of New Orleans in there. And then that's kind of like with a bit of extra darkness that you might get from mm -hmm. Tom Waits or yeah. Um, yeah. a Nick Cave. He loves Nick Cave and things yes, like that. Yes, I heard that too. Yeah, there's um, a very Southern Gothic tinge yeah, to right. that, that really works. That's a really good way of putting it, Southern Gothic. Yeah, he'd love that actually. Yeah, totally right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that the Rougarou, I think that's how you, that that song yeah. was the first one that drew me in. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, I can totally see myself in New Orleans right now, just at a jazz yeah. club listening to this. So yeah. good. And I hope the second, the the new one, I I am like really excited to listen to it. New and one I, is it's it, it's good. It's still it's got definitely got some New Orleans things. The the um the track I've sent you isn't quite like that. The track <laughs> it's called "I Wish You Harm" and it's kind of dedicated to oh. certain politicians. That we might all be familiar with, like, you know, certain blonde haired leaders of. <laughs> well, I can think of two one on you your side one and one on our side. One on exactly. So it's kind <laughs> of like, it's, it's kind of dedicated to, and it's, it's a great angry song. It's really it's good. I'm disgusted by every single thing that you do. I can't stand the way that you think. question about Milkbone. Um, I remember when the album was released, there was some talk taking the project live. Is that still something that might be in the works or? It's, it's totally in the works. It's like, how do we do it? Because it was built up with so in, in kind of quite a lot of keyboards and things like that. And you just think, I'm, I'm certain it's doable. It's just a matter of like, of get, having the time to rethink it a little bit. I mean, what's Matt, Matt suggested because he, you know, he wants us to play again live quite soon with the with the Maypoles, and he said, "Let's do some Milkbone tunes when we do the when we do the tour." Yeah. And I went, "Really?" He went, "Yeah." Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, so that yes. maybe that may be what will happen. Um, I can't imagine how happy we are to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, none of us have have some plane tickets in our future. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. None of us have ever gotten to, um, to see you all live, obviously. Um, so we always, all three of us are like, as soon as something is announced, we are gone. I have a savings account that is literally just to go to the UK (laughs) for when you guys decide to do it again. No word of a lie. It does not get touched. It just gets added to. Well, um, yeah, I mean, we we shall see. I think I definitely think it's it is doable. I mean, there was a point we James and I were at one point talking about it and saying, well, we could probably rehearse it, get it done, and we were almost thinking we'd have to do it and like have some way that Matt could fit in quite simply. No disrespect to Matt, only because of his schedule. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, we'd have to do a lot of the work, get it rehearsed up, ready, and then kind of like f- find a time when Matt can come and do it and do. But yeah. it would just be like he wouldn't. You know, it'd be tough for Matt because you know like to it's just a matter of like working out the best way that you do it where he would perhaps not have to work too hard learning too much stuff simply because when's he gonna have the time to do it yeah exactly yeah you know it's the uh it's the Mm. yeah the curse of his success you know it just gets in the way of everything that's it (laughs) we're like very happy for his success because now you tell people you're like Matt Barry and they're like oh yeah what we do in the shadows yeah also like kind of stolen I feel like a little bit from us because obviously think, we're very big I think, big I think that there are people who have that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's this thing which, you know, that which I kind of noticed even in the short, relatively short period that I was touring was like the first tour I did, it was like real diehard music fans. You know, it was great and, and it was really exciting. And then the next tour, you thought, hang on, I think about 50% of the audience are waiting for him to start doing yeah. some stand up oh, or something. Yeah. And it all starts to get a little bit, all, you know what I mean? And you can see that half the audience are going like, what the fuck is this? This isn't funny. Music? What you the know, hell? Yeah. You know, um, and it actually became a bit of a, yeah, it kind of, it, it, it took a little bit of the edge off the last tour we did in a way, because I think we all agreed. It was this thing like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's like you want the people there who are there for, you know, for the music kind of thing. And um, yeah. And he's, you know, again, it's going to be, you know, how do you, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you kind of get around that, really. Yeah. And we actually talked about, oh, go ahead, Courtney. I was just going to say that was for the small hours, right? That most recent tour. Yeah. Now the small, yeah, the small hours, which I I mean, to be honest, I really, I I really enjoyed that tour. Um, But I think we did confuse, (laughs) not least because we started, we we did it and quite intentionally, the first number we played was that great long jazz wig out. Uh, you know the night terrors thing mm-hmm. which is you know pretty out there and that would be that was the opening number good evening everyone Tara would have been gone she has no patience for songs over three minutes <laughs> three four minutes that's my that's my limit <laughs> but yeah you just have people staring at you from the audience like what the fuck is this I don't know what I came here for and it was and that's sad it's it sad. was like, but then, uh, but you know, but it was really exciting. Also, it was incredibly hard to play, and it was like, why are we doing this as the first number? Talk about, you know, the first number, of the first gig, I and mean, let's just play the hardest thing we've ever played in our life. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really exciting at the same time, and it kind of like once you got, and, and we, I was talking with Matt about this the other day, and he said, yeah, and once you got through that, the rest of the gig's just gravy. It's just great because you know what I mean. It's like, well, if we did that, it's fun. you know, and, um, yeah, then you could just have fun. You know, it was interesting, yeah. you know, that album. It was it was it was interesting because that was the album we did in the studio, which was such fun. But uh, I would put it this way: I'd be surprised if Matt chose to do an album like that again. His process is—I mean, 
I, I kind of get it because it's, it's in a way not dissimilar. I mean, I love playing with other guys. I love putting stuff down live in a studio. But there is also a huge control freak side of me, as there is with Matt. And I think for Matt, it's it's you know it's no accident that he's a painter as well. You know what I mean? And you 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 put these things together stroke by stroke, right? You know what I mean? And and you're in control of each of those brush strokes and things like that. And I think that he kind of approaches music even though he might do it quite fast, and he does. He works fast when he does music, and I've not seen him paint. I can imagine he works fast when he paints as well. But he's he's kind of at the helm all the way through. Yeah, I mean, he's used to doing things on his own, so I can see the way he's done it. giving up that control would be tough. You wouldn't let me play bass even on it. We always like, yeah, what do you think of the bass on this? Like, yeah, it's very good, Matt. We <laughs> <laughs> But that's great he's got great i mean he's a very you know musical guy he 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 has a real kind of like instinct for what he wants and i i get all that because i like doing you know i've done albums where i've played everything everything on the album and and it's it's very satisfying you know in, in some ways to do that especially if people don't really notice that that's how you've done it afterwards if it doesn't really sound like that mm-hmm. um if you, if you if you know what i mean it's kind of like that. I, I, I want it to sound natural and organic, but also if you've got those ideas in your head, if you've got an idea about how a drum part should go or how a guitar part or a bass part, you know, why not? If you can do it and we, you know, with, with technology these days, we, we can do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, Matt, you know, also coming from things like, you know, what's one of his absolute all time favorite al- artists, Jean-Michel Jarre, who did a whole album yes. completely on his own, Mike Oldfield, who produced, a whole mm-hmm. album, right. you know, those were the things when he was a kid, you know, the first things that he listened to. And he went, what? Someone did this completely alone and they created this sound out of, you know, from nothing. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, I think, you know, that's his process. I think, I think that's one of the things that's been so compelling is that he's mentioned that in, in so many interviews, like he just said that he listened to Mike Oldfield and realized that at such a young age, he played all those instruments. And he's like, well, I better get cracking. It's like, okay. So he just picked up instruments and started playing. Like, not everybody can do that. So no. you have to have some level of a, you know, musical gift, a natural musical ability to just be able to pick up an instrument and start playing. And that's, I mean, I don't know if he like really understands that that's not something everybody can do. And without being able to read music. On top right. Of ah. uh, no, I mean, it also takes, I mean... Don't don't underestimate just a bit of bravado and a bit of cockiness about going into these things gets you a long way. And I'm not saying that in any disrespect. It's just it's no. part of the toolbox. Mm-hmm. Is if you've got the you know like the the you know the balls to try it, you might do it sort of thing. And Matt, you know, he will just go like, I've seen him do. You know, I kind of like sometimes I go like, you've got a lot of neck. Just do it. <laughs> he just goes for it, you know. And you can, you know, the only thing that he's annoyed about at the moment, and he's and uh, is drumming. He still wants to be like he really wants to master drumming. That's the one because he can't, you know, because he Aww. hates he hates drum programming. He loves real drumming, but he knows he's not quite there with the drumming yet. I mean, he's done a few things where he's drummed on them, and it mm-hmm. works. Great. Yeah, they, but also I think he loves quite you know, technically, what's the, what's the right word? Uh, you know, just, well, just really good drummers. He loves 
that sound so it's like he's not going to be satisfied it's the one thing at the moment he'll kind of like so so he'll he'll generally bring in a drummer to do to to do the drumming yeah drums are hard though it would oh. probably take some of the magic out of the whole thing too yeah oh it's 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 so yeah I mean, yeah, there's like part of it is it's such a joy, isn't it? Learning, teaching yourself. I mean, I'm self-taught. I never had, you know, any lessons. That's amazing. On bass. Could people you, do that. But you couldn't. You could, you know, there was no, how could I have done it? All there was was listening to records. That's all I had, you know. So just get the stylus, put it back at the beginning, play it again and again. And then later on, got a tape recorder and actually was recorded it. And then I could actually slow it down, you know, to half speed and learn things like that. But of course, it was great in a way because you're, pushing your ear to develop all the time mm-hmm. yeah when you're Tell learning us a little it. bit about your your influences um well it's it's my a lot of my music actually um i think it was probably my mum initially my mum um was she was uh, french and um she grew up in paris in the sort of late in the 50s when a lot of the and she listened to loads of um the exiled kind of American jazz players who who based themselves over there after the war in in you know through the fifties and early sixties she would go out and dance at the clubs in Paris and listen to all that so she brought a lot of jazz music into the house um, but she loved the Beatles and things like that and then I when I was about I remember when I was about um, twelve or something. And she said, right, um, she gave me some money. She said, right, you can go and buy, you can go and buy an LP. She said, but can you get me one as well? Except in her uh. friend. And she said, okay, so you buy what you want, but you get me Led Zeppelin too. This mm. <laughs> so I bought, I think I bought Black Sabbath. That's a favourite of mine. Yeah, I think I bought Black Sabbath <gasps> and I bought Led Zeppelin too. And then as soon as I heard Led Zeppelin too, I kind of think, well, this Black Sabbath is rubbish compared to Led Zeppelin too. <laughs> <No>. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Little, little knowing that I would end up working with Robert Plant many, many years later. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so that was it. So she loved that sort of thing. And then once I got into things, she would listen to lots of what I was into. And I did go through, I mean, you know, I grew up in that period of prog rock. And for me, of course, when you're trying to become a good musician, you're looking for people who are kind of like excel in in that instrument. And I was finding that, you know, that's where you found it at that at that time. I guess prog rock was where everyone was trying to play their instrument as well as they possibly could. Um, so that's what I was like learning. And then later on, I got into a lot more funk and rock, you know, jazz and things like that. Um, but I think it was the prog thing that, yeah, then, then it all went away. Punk came and, you know, so I never played prog for real. It was just like something I grew up with until I met Matt. <laughs> and, then, and then suddenly I was, I was sitting there uh, one night and I borrowed the other guy's Rickenbacker bass, which was like the prog classic bass. I've never had a Rickenbacker. We were doing the Fez. He said, oh, you know, we were doing the Fez. And I went, hang on, I'm on stage playing a Rickenbacker, playing prog rock. (laughs) (laughs) Dream fulfilled. Yeah, this is what I wanted. But it took that long. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so, so yeah, so I guess it was a lot of, of that side of things. So, I mean, and I, I, yeah, if you want to push yourself as, you know, again, pushing myself as a musician, I was very much drawn to jazz because harmonically it was fascinating, uh, rhythmically it was fascinating, and it just made me, uh, and if you're not studying classical music and studying classical theory, it's it's where you're going to get your theory. And it's, you know, I teach lots of kids rock and stuff like that, but all the theory I teach them comes from jazz because it's the same, you know, the music theory is the same and it, you'll get, you're going to get as sophisticated as you need to get through studying jazz um, theory. So that's, that's what I use 
to you know to to teach students but i'm not really a jazz you know so then you end up doing lots of jazz gigs and then i had played double bass for a while but and i and you know and i i, I kind of love playing jazz and i love the challenge of it but quite often i say yeah do i actually like listening to it am i that honest as a jazz musician in terms of do i spend all my life listening to you know do i really understand the history of it that well and i thought well i know i listen to a lot but I don't really, you know, I, actually, I know where my roots are. My roots were in, in prog and then later on, I suppose, more in electric fusion weather report and bands like that. Um, and that's where a lot of, and then lots of synth stuff as well, because I've always been, I've been parallel as being a bass player. I've been absolutely mad about synthesis. You know, this is again where Matt and I kind of had our, 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 our common ground. I've been obsessed with synthesizers since I was about 11 years old. I don't know why. And, you know, and taking it, and I used to like mess around with tape recorders. And I found out that if you put a radio on top of an old television and then started messing around with the, do you remember when televisions had controls on the back? You guys are probably too young, but you used to have things that would make the horizontal go up and down. Mm-hmm. And the but if you put a radio on top and fiddled with those, the radio would make really weird sounds. So I used to kind of like record that and, uh, you know, and then on a tape and then play some bass over the top or something completely nuts like that. So I kind of like, <laughs> that's so cool kind of experimentalist and sort of you know and just interested in sounds and things like that and i think again um that's that that's I'm, I'm i'm as interested in sound and production as i am in music as is matt i believe as well so yeah so i mean we keep you know if i think we discussed it enough but you can kind of see why matt and i have quite a lot in common yeah here. you're oh, like kindred, sure you kindred yeah. spirits yeah. plenty to talk I mean, about that's, that's all we talk about when we when we chat, it's just like we just go on and on about anything. Any, God knows what anyone else would think listening to it. <laughs> I'm sure he was thrilled to have someone to talk with. Right. Talk about synths with. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, who else is he talking about synths with? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got, well, he's probably got a few, a few other <laughs> mates. Um, but, yeah, for me, it was, it was, it was great. Because, honestly, like, there, there were very few other people. Like my, uh, my, I mean, I've got this, if you can see, I've got this bit of modular stuff here. Yeah. My son just comes in and he's just kind of like, cause he's like, all you need is a guitar. You don't need all this. <laughs> he has no interest at all. <laughs> in anything other than, you know, three chords and the truth as he would put it. <laughs> That's so funny. I do want to ask you about Velvet Black on Milkbone and Courtney and I both have the vinyl version. And the album version, obviously, is just instrumental, as is yeah. the rest of the album. But then you released a digital-only version of Velvet Black featuring the vocals of Harriet Langley. And it's brilliant. Yeah. And uh, I just want to know why that was released after the fact. Um, because I played that, – that tune was pretty much written in its entirety – before before we started the Milkbone thing. That's actually another project which I, I will talk about, which I have with my sister called Red Lodge, oh. which um, was initially, my sister's, is a, it, she's a lyricist, and she's a great songwriter. We did one album together where she sang by her own admission. I mean, she, I think it's great, actually. You can find, I think it's on um, Spotify. We did an album called Egdon Heath, which was based on a lot of poems of Thomas Hardy that my sister had sort of set to music and then I produced it and then we ended up co-writing quite a lot of tracks. Then he flew down And seized upon a stem of hay He proudly took it up To where his nest 
She was very self-conscious about her voice, but we knew we wanted to do another album. And then I'd met Harriet, produced, I produced an album of hers from, from a band she had called the Top Cat Collective. And um, I just thought her voice was amazing. And again, we got on pretty well. And so when we did, when we did a second Red Lodge album, Harriet became the vocalist on that album. Could you do it with your eyes closed? Suppose they told you you kind of wrote I, that's kind of one of my my songs but my sister wrote the lyric we when Harriet sang it I played it to, and we decided not to put it on the Red Lodge album we decided it was a bit too proggy the Red Lodge albums you if you hear it uh, it's not out yet by the way I haven't released it so Velvet Black didn't fit on it somehow so we took it off I played it to Matt and said do you think this is Milkburn he said well I really like the tune he said but we 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 let's keep it instrumental and he said also you've got far too many ideas on there <laughs> Matt's oh. way send it to me and so he said, send me all the, all the tracks. So I sent him the whole, whole tracks. And, and this is why I talk about Matt's speed of work. About three hours later, he sent back this completely stripped down version of it. And he said, now let's get... And then I said, well, all right, in that case, let's get Graham to play the vocal line on trombone. Because it's a bit like, you know, the trombone's yeah. got of a voice, you know, a vocal quality to it sort of thing. So I thought that would work. And so it ended up, you know, the, the, the version. And then James's drums, which are quite loud on the... You know, we realised, well, that's... They don't work anymore with this sort of stripped down one. So I got James to do a new drum thing where he just played very gently with brushes. So we've got this totally sort of contrasting kind of versions of the uh, uh, of the song. But I really, you know, I would, I would, I would, I really like that version with Harriet singing on. And I thought, yeah, I really want to, you know, 
put this out and get let people hear it. I wanted people to hear Harriet sing as well. Because I think. Uh, yeah. How far away? What would it take? What if I close my eyes and dreamt of you? Would like years break in velvet back? Would fingers find the ones they felt for so long? Could we turn back? first time i was it to me it sounded like a james bond theme yes (laughs) very cinematic so i could totally see opening credits for a huge movie specifically james bond which is weird because i'm not like a bond fan but it's so good her voice is amazing yeah well funnily enough she's um on on tomorrow night's launch i'm actually playing in the support band that happens to be harriet's new band which goes on in se west i'm the bass player in that band but that's all her own songs so I'm doubling up tomorrow night. I wanted to ask, it's jumping back a little, but Mm -hmm. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you a little more about touring and some of your memories of touring. What are your favorite memories of being on the road besides bonding over stints and prog rock with Matt? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) You mean being on the road generally or with with, um, Maypole specifically? Probably with the Maypoles and then specifically. The Maypole specifically and probably also what am I allowed to tell you um, without getting into trouble about my favorite memories of uh, touring. You can get in a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there has been a bit of a, and it's, it's, it's not a contrived thing, but there seems to be one night of every tour of the Matt thing where we all just get out of control. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it happens. It just seems, I think you need to let off steam at some point in the tour. Sometimes it's because some things have gone a bit wrong for a few days and then you have, you know, and then you suddenly go, you know what, we've just got to, you know, or you just ha- and you get lucky, you get to a place and that the you know they say, oh, we don't need to close or whatever. You know, it can be a club that you're playing at. And they say, oh no, we stay open all night. And, go, and then they say, right, who wants Jaeger bombs? Who wants it? You know, <laughs> oh my god! And so you know, and then it all begins. And um, so so that's 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 happened on a few occasions, and then ended up with me being videoed outside my room, <laughs> unable to get in, and then. <laughs> <laughs> 
wonderful caring tour manager holding my you know, head as I'm throwing it in the toilet oh with his other hand at the same time to make sure he can share it with everyone the next day. Oh, my God. Um, wonderful. And then you yeah. wake up the next morning and you've, you've had about two hours sleep and you've got the worst hangover and you've got to be in the bus in half an hour and you think, am I going to throw up again before I get on the bus? <laughs> Uh, you know, does and, the bus have a bathroom? Like, what uh, is the no, deal with the bus? Small. It's quite a small split of bus because we're only doing the tours are usually organized quite well in terms of short runs between, you know, yeah. it's, I've done tours with other bands where it's like, oh, Aberdeen and then down in Penzance and then you're back up to Manchester, that you know, things like oh, just, yeah, which, you got, probably means nothing to you because I know you're used to much bigger journeys than we are here sort of thing. Yeah. You, know, you think about a 400 mile journey. It's like, yeah, go, you know, <laughs> but, you know it's kind of a, here it's, and also it's, it, it's kind of like a stuck in a van with a full of farting people kind of like, it's, <laughs> uh, it's not the best way to travel sometimes. This um, is one of the reasons we want to get Cecilia on because we want to know what it was like being the only girl Cecilia. in this bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to get Cecilia, and she is. I'm not going to say she she farts with the best of them. I wouldn't, yeah. but she's totally you have her. to, right? You totally have to. She is completely unfazed by all that. Stuff. <laughs> so funny. she's great. We actually became really good pals on tours. I think Cecilia, we got on, we on, we got on great. In fact, um, she 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 quite enjoys one of those tours. On the first tour I did, when I was being like kind of like we were playing in Liverpool, he said, "Oh, let's go to a club," and I was going like. She after afterwards she said it should have been a film. She said because we were walking we were walking away from the venue and you were being I was being really grumpy. I don't want to go to a club. I'm dancing. I'm too old. And then you, and it was like there should have been a cut. Like absolutely going crazy and we were all it was, it was great. It was bad. We were all the band. We were all in this you know dancing around our virtual handbags um, completely. Uh, and he, she said it was like about, it seemed like about 40 minutes later. So like, <laughs> not quite sure what happened. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was, it was very, it was great. Uh, so just sort of like, you know, to ha- but you do need to do it. You do need to kind of have these releases a little bit because I know it, it oh, yeah. it's, it's such a weird combination of like lots of fun, incredible, boring really tiring sometimes getting grumpy because you can't yeah. eat or you know or you know something like it's but overall i love it i mean i'm not i'm i've not done although i've toured quite a lot i've never done like a real like a six month you know what i mean those ones where you're just away yeah forever. and i have friends who do it and you know people deal with it differently you know some people you know they find different ways of coping with it um and some people simply don't cope with it and you know and it's and it can really take a toll but for me it's kind of like i've always really i've really enjoyed it and um it's it's also there's there's i do a lot of gigs sort of you know where it's a gig with a band then you don't do something you do a gig with another band do this do that do that to actually go away with one band and focus on music and play the same thing night after night and start to think you know there's things like things that um even things like, say, with Matt, it's quite complicated in terms of, for me, it was the first time I had to do a lot of pedals, start using effects pedals and jump between things like that and say, it's, you know, like when we hit the chorus, I've got to hit that one and then switch that one. And, and you know, it, it, there's a kind of choreography you learn about this sort of yeah. thing. And then after a few nights, it becomes natural and you mm-hmm. kind of go, oh, this is all. And then you, and then that, that kind of whole thing extends to the way you, you know, you might respond to something else that 
one of the other guys in the band who and it's just lovely to have a have the luxury to develop music over a period of time and um you know get beyond just can i play it and just say how well can we play this together and you know and we we matt likes to take we we do in sound checks and things like that we'll we'll tinker with the music and say what can we do better what went wrong last night you know should we change this? Might be fun to do this section differently, or you know. And then suddenly he'll say, "Like, let's do Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel tonight." And so we all try and learn. <laughs> <laughs> in um in Bath, he's just you know, I've got a great idea. We're going to do Sledgehammer tonight. He's like, "Well, all right." <laughs> Does <laughs> anybody want to learn Sledgehammer? Someone's writing yeah. the lyrics down off a phone like this and trying to. And I think Mark sang it. Mark Morris sang it, and he was kind of like trying to hide the fact that you just had to. <laughs> You know, because we didn't know it. We'd only learned it about two hours before. <laughs> We've seen That's those so videos funny. and you yeah. would yeah. tell. You but killed it. You killed it. Right. It's a, that's amazing because I've seen the I've seen the videos. I've seen um, whoever's doing the lead usually, you know, depending on the song with yeah. the lyrics. But the music itself sounds amazing. So yeah, 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 yeah. It even happen. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I mean, Matt just like he just he I think he just gets you know he's he's got a low boredom threshold. That's it, really. <laughs> uh huh. So you know, and I think he also quite likes put. Yeah, he. Perhaps slightly thrives on you know like because we'll we'll do things sometimes and he and they're quite stressful and then at the minute we just we did like what was it we were going to do oh yeah Channel Four we did this live we we played live at the end of one of the Toast of London episodes we did mm -hmm. like he said we're going yeah. to take my hand we'll do it live it'll cut to us live at the end of the show, you know and then he was crapping himself just before he said what. <laughs> Why have oh I just? What was I thinking? Kind <laughs> <laughs> of like, um, and then, but then, but you know, he's really enjoying it, really. And it was, it was incredibly exciting. It was really fun to do it, you know. Uh, and we kind of got away with it. I think it's sort of. Uh, yeah, you did. You did. got away with it. Oh yeah, yeah. I was really amazing. upset when I got the the toast box set that that wasn't. I know. I know. On I, there. Yeah, it lives on in, on YouTube. I yeah. feel like trying to think if it's on as a special feature, but it wasn't on at the ending. No, like it should I know. Been. I don't know where these decisions are made. <laughs> What's your favorite song to play live? Gosh, well, apart from the what I was telling you about the playing Night Terrors and the you know the yeah. shit we're playing something that silly. That's <laughs> it. I I actually I there's a couple of the long ones that I really enjoy building. Um, Winter Solstice. Yeah, oh, so good. Yeah. Even though I don't actually have to, it's not that. Hard. It's just when you get it, when we when it get it to build just right, it's so effective because it's kind of just this slow cooker one, you know, mm -hmm. just goes on and gradually build. And when you when you nail that, and you kind of hit the you know the next plateau and then the next and next and it's gradually built, it's just great. And you you know you get and then Andy goes into his. You know, it was always like it was always heading towards Andy and his solo for me that one. And just like when he hits it, it was it was great. And then I used to really like. Do you remember? Uh, you know, woman. Yes. Oh my god, uh, that's that my favorite such, song. It's a it's very controversial a, song. It's such a beautiful song. <laughs> I Imagine, agree. I think it's really. I think it's a beautiful song. I think it really is. Does it divide you guys? Yes. Um, yeah. Not. Yeah. yeah. 
Tara and I are in agreement that we love it. Yeah. It was literally almost my wedding song, but we ended up going with uh, the Holly song, Air That You right. Breathe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot to my grandmother. Yeah. But it was almost woman, like very close. Yeah. And every time I hear it, I'm like, tear, like one single tear. Yeah, I, think I think it's really poetic. Apparently, I'm just heartless and, and sentimental. <laughs> Courtney has a black soul. <laughs> it's, it's just it's, it's odd, isn't it? Because it's sometimes there, there are songs... Um, where Matt, you know, you, you kind of think, is he revealing something which is not customary for Matt to reveal about himself? Will he, or is he having a lot, you know, is it a bit, is he laughing up his sleeve when he do, does these things sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'm not even sure if he knows. Um, yeah. <laughs> one, you know, a really lovely little sentimental one, like Song for Rosie. It was just such a cute little song about his niece. Yeah. Um, and um, on Night Terrors, oh God, um, is it Small Hours? You have to forgive me because a lot of these songs I've, pr- I've recorded them. Yeah, the small hours. Mm-hmm. Is that playing for you guys or not? Yeah, uh-huh. it is. Yeah. It's the hours in between that I have doubts. It's the mist in the trees when the amount. It's the edge of the dawn when I feel low. It's the gray light that pulls through the window. All combined with the strength of being alone. Right, I'm gonna fade it out just like a professional. <laughs> Um, I, I think that's beautiful and I kind of said Matt we've got to do and Cecilia loves this song as well mm-hmm. and we would pressure it and say can we do it live and he go no I don't think so I don't really, you know I don't, oh. but I love it I love that song but you know it's um, I, I don't know it, it, it's I kind of um, it's an interesting thing because I've, I've done going back to this thing about when when is Matt being ironic and when is he not being ironic and it's I, a fine line yeah, but I would say to an extent with the music, he's never being ironic in a way. I mean, it's, you know, with with, with exceptions, because I remember doing a gig in Brighton and this guy came up to me afterwards and he was being all like, oh, yeah, it was, it was very clever the way you did that. And it's very, as if as if he was in on some joke. And I said, yeah, do you think so how how seriously do you, you know, because I said to, I, I remember, what had I say to it? I asked Matt about it one day and I said, you know, is, you know, Pete, some people think you, you know, think you're joking when you do, you know, is it would be a pretty fucking expensive and elaborate joke, wouldn't it? To, right. Um, Time consuming. Yeah. Not to mention. To, to, to do, you know, but yeah. so some people kind of come and hear it in, in a way that I don't think, I think there's more, you know, genuine, um, love for it, you know, for what he's doing and the genres and things like that, mm-hmm. than, than some people kind of like hearing it, I, I, particularly some of the proggy stuff, I think. I mean, and it is kind of like, you know, even when, you know, like you'll play the most kind of, um, what's the, I love the word bombastic is such a good word for prog stuff, you know, when it's really pompous and really, yeah. now we're going into yeah. seven, eight and now we're going to, and now we're doing this and it's, you know, and it's even that, there's a kind of affection for that because that, that's from a period of time where you kind of, now you did that, and 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 excited us as you know as, as teenagers. You hear that, and you think, "Oh, this is great," you know. And uh, I know later on, you and I, I don't think it's you, you can necessarily turn your back, even even though perhaps you know you become more sophisticated, and uh, you know, I think you you got to be you got to stay honest to your you know your reaction 
that you had to that music at the time. I kind of think there's this period of time in our lives. And for me, it was probably from 13 to 20 where music hit me so hard. It's never going to, you know, and then I, and, and I mean, you know, and as you become a musician, you start to become more analytical about everything it's almost like that's that's the price event, you know, the admission to being a musician is you will never enjoy music in quite the same way that you did when it was just hit you as an emotional, you know, for me. Oh as a, my yeah. god, you know. that is too accurate because there are albums like you know Alanis Morissette and Chair yeah. and weird stuff like that. From you're talking the exact same age, thirteen to twenty, yeah. where stuff had hit me, and it was so. You, you hear it now and you remember every single word yeah. and you haven't heard it for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's extraordinary that, isn't it? How it's all that I put something on the other day and I could not believe how quickly it came back. You know, like I knew what the next note was going to be and I could barely even, yeah, it's extraordinary how we, how our brain kind of stores all that away. I've always um, been like that with lyrics. I always can pick up lyrics really fast and I know I always retain them, which is super strange because I can't remember anything else, but yeah, I can remember <laughs> lyrics for a song that I heard my 15 Ali, years ago. <laughs> my son Ali knows lyrics to everything. I mean, even songs. I think, how on earth do you know the lyrics to that song? You know, because he's only 20. And and my sister, Gia, who's a lyricist, I drive her crazy because she knows I don't really listen to <laughs> I mean, there's a few people I do. There's a few people who I really, really, you know, like the lyrics mean a lot on songs. But a lot of the time, yeah. I just, I hear the vocal melody really well, and it's mm-hmm. all part of the music to me. You know, it's it's you know, and I understand how the music is kind of serving the vocal melody. But it's really, I've become much more. I think I've, I've thought about songs a lot more in the last few years. That that's something you know that actually I've I think I've come to I I, I you know developed an awareness of and which I should have developed an awareness of years and years ago is like sir you know serve the song in what you're playing don't you know I, I I mean I'm much more simple a lot of the time in what I play these days because who wants to hear what I can do on but you know who the hell's interested in that it might fit in every now and then you might put something in but for the most part all I should be doing is you know serving the song as best I can just playing the right thing to make the song come across and that's what you know. You, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do a lot more these days. Hmm. Um, and I think also maybe that can you know, because I know that when I play bass on the stuff that I write, they're talking about you know writing things. Um, I, I tend to play much more simply if I've written the tune myself. Whereas if I, yeah. as, whereas, and it's not, it's not quite ego. It's more like you think, oh, you, it's like you want to try and give a lot to the, to the song sort of yeah. thing. And then, but sometimes you think, well, no, it doesn't matter. Just play one note. It, that's all it needs at that point. That's what it is. You know, you're not shortchanging people by not playing more or something like that. So, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, it's a lesson I, I try and teach my students now, but it took me a long I remember some guy coming up to me when I was like in my 20s. He said, You're great. He said, But what you need is sellotape around all your fingers and just play both <laughs> like that. Oh. Said, that's what you need to. And I kind of like the time I was really insulted, but now I kind of go like, Yeah. yeah. I would imagine, yeah. I would imagine that's really hard, though. When you do write the song yourself, you know exactly what the song needs uh, because it's your vision. So you're like, okay, yeah. this is just I just want this. But when it's not your song, when you're playing something else, you just you kind of have to think of what that person wants me to do with it. Yeah. And I could see I mean, how that would be really hard, easy to like overdo it. You, yeah, and as I said, you overdo it out of I don't know what it is, just trying to prove yourself or something. I don't know, but you know. I think now I'm, I, I, you know, finally got the idea that 
you don't need to do that. You don't need to do it. Phil, can I ask yeah. you something? Yeah. So you're you're a teacher. Yeah. Do you ever like teach your students songs that you've performed on? I was teaching someone, um, and they are. I didn't. I didn't offer. It. They just said, "Can I learn Take My Hand" by Matt Perry? This was this, this morning. I was right. I wrote out a chart for him, and uh, oh said, my god! So uh, yeah, he he asked if he could learn it. So uh, you know, I do. I I. I on occasion I would never make someone learn something unless I thought it was unless I thought it was really helpful to illustrate a certain point about something yeah. I might get someone to learn one of my own you know like something that I'd played on but occasionally people just ask me and say oh how did you do you know how did you do that on so and so whatever but I, I you know a, a lot of the time it's it, yeah it would just be for you know just to illustrate a certain point so it might just be a little section of something or you yeah. know just to talk about that same thing thing about I might just say how I might approach you know how I might approach playing bass on a song um you know the the thing is that I I I think some of my my strengths are I'm interested in lots and lots of different music I always have been if you looked at my record collection it's it's everything from like obscure classical stuff to dub reggae to electronica to you know jazz to heavy metal to you know everything i just you know i always have like lots of different things and i and 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 i will always try probably everything there i will probably have picked up my bass at some point and tried to kind of figure out the why does this style of music why do they do this in new orleans stuff what's going on there or why do they do this in reggae you know and then and so you have this stylistic kind of breadth which means i can like when i hear things Sometimes I, you know, it'll make me think of a certain, you know, you, you, you have a, what's, it's what we teach. It's what we call now stylistic awareness. So we try and teach it to our students very much. They like, cause you know, most students will come in, especially, you know, but the college that I used to teach at with James and like the rest of us, I love metal. I love this, blah, 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 you know, and it's quite a narrow sort of thing that they're very good at. And then you just try and say, yeah, but look at all this other stuff. Yeah. You know, and quite often they end up, going down a totally different, you know, they didn't even know they were going to go down in terms of the music they end up, um, they end up loving. And um, funnily enough, uh, James, with his partner, Julie, when we were teaching at the college, they used to organise a trip every year to New Orleans. It just blew their minds. They'd go out and hear all these guys play, you know, all these bands play. And they'd all come back like, I don't want to play metal anymore. I want to play <laughs> it was it was such a cool thing to do, and it was um, you know, and they heard so much live music. I mean, that's you know, you could argue, well, that's James and Julie's agenda to make them listen to that, but hey, yeah, you know, there's a lot worse things they could be making <laughs> listen. To. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, you know, a trip to New Orleans. Who's going to turn that down? But totally, second of yeah. all, like, you know, it's it's always good to listen to other stuff. You never Absolutely. know for sure what you're into unless you experience other things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. You've done a lot of touring. Yeah. What are some like interesting or weird or, you know, crazy things that have happened kind of in a general sense? Okay. Um, going to East Berlin before the wall came down and wow. ending, ending up in the middle of nowhere through getting a bit drunk. Oh, my gosh. Without, without, <laughs> without papers and ID. Oh, trying to find my way back to the hotel without being arrested. Um, Oh my god! (laughs) And and not just me. This wasn't my paranoia. I was told I had to be very careful and not speak because I probably would get arrested. The only trouble was I was wearing a Hawaiian. Everyone else was like really. (laughs) 
oh I was still wearing what I'd worn from the gig the night before, and I was wearing this really loud Hawaiian shirt and kind of like I had no pay- yeah, and uh, it's just yes, trying to find that was. <laughs> Oh my god! I can't imagine. I it's like a miracle that you're even here right now. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to touch back on the small hours. It, you mentioned a while ago about kind of like the lyrics and owning your previous work, and it seems like the small hours is one along with opium that Matt does not have fondness for. Absolutely, yeah. I I, I would I wouldn't disagree with that, and I've and I and I I would to an extent say, uh, and I, I'm kind of guessing here. So he might, you know, he might yeah. say you're completely wrong, but I would say it it is about the the process, the authorship that it was like losing control. Yeah, a bit not losing control because he said I want to do it this way. You know what I mean? I want to do it with the guys in the studio and track it live, and and all I can say was it was really fun while we were doing it. We had a ball, but I think afterwards it it, it was kind of like. I mean, I'm not even, I mean, critically, it was kind of a bit mixed. And I read a couple of reviews, which I thought were a bit kind of like snarky, saying, oh, maybe it's because he let the band, you know, take part in this or something. I can't remember what magazine it was in. I read it. I think, oh, thanks. Yeah. But, but to be honest, I actually think it's a great, I think it's really good. I've told, you know, I told him, you know, occasionally, I don't listen to it often, but almost every time I do it, I nearly always say, oh, man, I just didn't do it again. Yeah. It's, it's a great album. You know? Good. It always makes me kind of sad because it's my favorite of his albums. Yeah. And it always makes me sort of sad that he doesn't have that affinity for it yeah. at all. And it just because like, when we did that episode, we, we kind of speculated because that's what we do. Um, yeah. Whether it was because <laughs> he didn't have that same level of control, which I think he mentioned in some interviews that he yeah. didn't like that having to give some stuff up or because yeah. it seems like out of all of his albums up to that point, that one, the lyrics were super raw. And maybe he just yeah. felt like he revealed too much. I don't it's, know. That's, that's, yeah, I mean, that's that's possible as well. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't even thought about that. But yeah, particularly because I think that's that's something that really touches me in the small hours is there's mm-hmm. a fragility in the lyric and in the way he sings it that I've not, I've not heard before. And which I love, and I always said that to him that I said I love the way you sing on that. That there's yeah. this kind of you know you're letting something you know through that you you don't often kind of like sort of seem to allow through. And you may be right, you know. Let's <laughs> ask Matt. Let's <laughs> ask Matt. Well, it's kind of interesting because my my favorite album, my favorite album from Matt is Opium, just because of the nostalgia, yes. and he. Yeah hates opium he like we just i don't know it for sure but we're pretty sure he hates opium we're so it kind of like kind of kicks me kicks me when i'm down i'm like oh like it was so good like it was so good for somebody just coming out doing you know music i mean we don't talk about jackpot jackpot yeah we did talk but yeah, about so jackpot but we did it's interesting but there was not because much. It sounds like he's so self-assured in the studio and so confident of what he's doing. And then there's these handful of albums that he's looked back on and yeah. sort of distanced himself. Yeah, yeah and- I, mean, I would think, I mean, opium, I'm I'm just wondering partly it's that he, he, maybe he felt as he, you know, I'm still, I think he probably, if he's anything like me, which I suspect he is, he still feels that you're always honing your craft and you're always, so you're going to be super critical. Yeah. But the, I also, yeah. you know, I don't. I think there's, you know, there's, there's every possibility that ten years from now he'll put small hours on. You know what I mean? He'll and he'll go like, this is really good actually, because I've experienced that. Yeah. You know, 
I, I, there was an album I did a long time ago. I won't bother telling you because it, it's, a, it's a jazz thing, but I, all I remember is it was tough doing the album. It was tough and I felt inadequate. It was really difficult, some of the music, and I had a couple of like really like moments that saved me like um, where I was doing one of the... There were a couple of other bass players on the album, uh, and while I was trying to do the most difficult track on the album, the other bass player turned up and he was staring at me through the window of the control room and I was kind of like, felt like I was really fucked. And it was just like all this kind of trauma, <laughs> massive trauma. But yeah. um, so I didn't listen to it. And then about 10, literally about 10 years later, I put it on and went, well, this is, this is great. You know, it's kind of like, you know, and you kind of yeah. go like, what was that all about? All that stuff that was sort of that you carry in your head. But there's, there's, I've got albums as well by various people that my favourite albums, then you read somewhere, oh, we hated that album. That we, that was, you know, we really felt that we were so disappointed. I go, well, not for me. Yeah. I loved it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And it's, you know, so I'm, I'm not sure Matt is that interested. Once it's done, it's done. He's, you know, he doesn't That's listen. That's exactly think, what we think. That's exactly what we I think. I don't think Matt is, he's, He'll do it, and it's 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 gone. It's like not, you know. Yeah. He, I'd be very surprised if he listens much. I, I mean, I'm a bit different. I'm, I mean, I, I go through phases, but I do kind of. And I don't know, I sound like such a kind of egotist, but I do quite enjoy <laughs> listening to stuff I've worked like for hours and hours and hours on. I go like, yeah, that really pulled that off, you know. I, <laughs> Well, I think yeah. most people are like that. But I do like yeah. revisiting, you know, and every now and then I'll put an album on the car and go, oh, yeah, that, yeah, this was good. <laughs> um, I don't think Matt does that. I don't think he does. I think that's probably the exception. I think most people would go back and, and listen to their previous work just to even say, oh, that was good. But, yeah, I could have done stuff differently. Or, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, maybe for that's... him that just bothers him. He's, he's, he's on to the next. Well, I mean, uh, and, yeah, that's that's the way his mind works. He's kind of like, uh, you know, you got to catch him, really. Like, they, you know, in a way, again, I was, I think, you know, that that's, you know, he's very keen about doing another Milkbone album, and in a way, he keeps having to go at me about it, sort of thing. But at the same time, when's he going to actually, you know, it's like when I'm actually yeah. gonna, you know to do the thing because he's, you know, he, I mean, he's he's working on another album now. I know, and I've, I kind of like, I was watching, I was looking at the band, he's got a notice board up on, you know, he said, this album's going to blah, 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 blah. He's kind of made note, bullet points to himself about what the album's got to be, what's it's got to have this, it's got to have that, it's got to have that. And he just goes out and he ticks it off and ticks it off and kind of like, and it'll probably be done. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not going to be, if it might, you know, it might be done in two weeks' time. Because that's the way, because also he knows he's got to go back to the States soon to do yeah. something. I have and a I, feeling that he's got a touch of ADD. I, I experienced that where <laughs> the, the flip side of ADD when that people don't realize is that you get hyper-focused doing things and you like to finish yeah. a project. Like once you start it, you have to finish it. Yeah. You can't pause in between. I mean, unless you absolutely have to yeah. do it. But I have a feeling that he does that too. Like once he's in it, once he's in the mode, you know, he'll like not eat, he'll not sleep, he'll just finish it. And yeah. then we're and then not diagnosing him, by the way. We're not <laughs> diagnosing <laughs> you, Matt. <laughs> An important disclaimer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I definitely, I, I, I mean, I respond to deadlines very well from that point of view. I mean, if you told me I had to write something by tomorrow, I would do it. But if you said, I'll oh, write something. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll I might, see. Yeah, it'll be like you know, it'll be month, you know, months and months. So I, I do, and yeah. I think Matt kind of put a bit of that with when we were doing the Milkbone album. 
you know, he was getting me to work it because I, for me, it was very fast that I did that. But I felt like I was getting into his, you know, he uh, being carried along by his sort of uh, enthusiasm and encouragement and whatever. And, you know, let's, you know, let, let's get this done sort of thing. I think, you know, maybe it was, it was very happy timing that he was around a lot. Yeah. Happened to yeah. Be moment. He For was COVID. delayed, you know, he kept meaning to go back, you know, because he was kept, supposed to be heading back to Canada to film and they kept pushing the date back because of the COVID things like yeah. that. So it kind of all worked out in a way that, you know, may not happen again for quite a long time. So Well, it worked for us. Like, we were so excited. And I have to ask you this, is Milkbone going to come out on vinyl again? Um, I don't know. Is The the, the honest answer is I I kind of think we could have printed, we could have pressed up a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Was, but you was, don't know. You don't know, right? Like no, no, no. and also, and and uh, then our next bright idea was to do it on CD. And I have four boxes oh, CDs in in the other room that we're never ever ever going to sell. It was not a good idea. And Matt, he called it. He said, "See, don't do CDs." He was absolutely right. He's very against CDs. <laughs> he, he went. He went. You know, it, it's he knew not, it. He was, but he said, "Make." He said, "We're going to make this as rare as what do you call it? As rare as rocking horse poo." That's what you got to do to get people interested. Oh. <laughs> well, he sucked Courtney and horrible. I right into that. Uh, right into I think that, that might actually be how I know how I first spoke with you because I messaged you on Instagram <laughs> trying to reserve one of yeah. my copies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, because I, I kind so. of like I set it all up, and you know, I mean, it was interesting for me because I've not done. You know, I kind of oversaw the whole thing. You know, the CD, the the vinyl production, and the um, Matt and I kind of did the album cover together i mean i did the i i I kind of mastered the software to learn how to do it to produce the artwork but um you know he was like kind of like very much supervising because you know he's an artist and so he 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 had a very clear idea of what you know how it should look and i I loved the you know i was so thrilled when he sent that artwork through Um, oh it's so cool it is so beautiful and like now that we know for sure it's a penis I think Better. it was kind of obvious before, Tara. Yeah, yeah. I think we already <laughs> suspected. Yeah. But the confirmation is just nice. from just from its usage and toast. I think that's it. Was, it. That's yeah. it. What do you say? Painting your father again? Is that, is that what he said about the painting and toast? <laughs> so um, I actually I meant to ask you before, and I totally forgot. Um, with Milkbone, uh, yeah. I was revisiting it today, and I think it's kind of obvious that Matt was working on the Blue Elephant at the same time, or prior to Milkbone because there are two there's two tracks on Milkbone that overlaps with the Blue Elephant. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. it's taken from or if they were done at the same time. Automatic Foot and Two Sequences. Like Automatic Foot is the Blue Elephant from the Blue Elephant and then Two yeah. Sequences has um, music from Safe Passage from the Blue yeah. Elephant. So do you have any idea if he was just working on them at the same time or if he was doing Milkbone he was first? He, he, he was working on them at the same time and he completed Blue Elephant first. Okay. Um, and he, he's kind of like, in fact, I think he sent me some of the, some of those things he sent them to me and we put them in and then he sent me Blue Elephant. I went, hang on. <laughs> that sounds he said, familiar. No, he, says, we can he said, there's nothing wrong with that. We can... <laughs> um, and of course he's absolutely right. There is absolutely nothing. And I kind of liked it in a way because it kind of makes them a little bit like brother and sister. Yeah, in a I way. agree. And he's and, mentioned recycling stuff before. He mentioned in some of the uh, the what we do in the shadows interviews that he's recycled, and you know, obviously he's recycled from the music from Toast into yeah. you know, the small hours or vice versa. So yeah. okay, so 
No, yeah, yeah, but um, yes, he's um, that 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 that's you're absolutely right. Well, it's a good spot because um, <laughs> that, that that's exactly what happened. But yeah, it was um, the the blue elephant was was I'm pretty certain was it certainly came out first anyway because I he asked me I remember him asking us to hold off on the milk bone thing to give blue elephant some time to kind of like which was you know as it turned out was absolutely fine. So that's why we kind of delayed it. Um, I think for a few months. I don't know. I was just, I was wondering, it made me, cause you said that he is definitely working on something, which is great news for us because, you know, we will eventually get to the end of his albums. You know, we yeah. have, we did, we just did TV themes, but we, we split it into, it's going to be a two parter because there's right. a lot to go through on that one. And then uh, we've only got two more and then, you know, we're going to go through Milkbone. We're going to do the whole Milkbone album and oh, then cool. right. well, you know, gather up. So, you know, hopefully by the time we get towards the end, <laughs> Milkbone 2 and then maybe a sibling wink, for Milkbone Tune. I mean, because I know also that, you know, um, Acid Jazz, um, Matt's record company, are quite keen for him to get, keep keep bringing things out. And so quite often he, they start, you know, and they are also like pressuring about the touring obviously um yeah I mean, when i say pressuring it's not pressuring because he really wants to do it but you know it's been such a long time since we yeah. did it i mean i know covid's part of that but it's also you know he's just you know the way things have fallen you know in terms of what he's been doing i mean i he's so he's like kind of like a what's the word laissez faire about what yeah sometimes he just mentioned <laughs> he's just done something absolutely extra oh yeah i did this you know because you know what he's doing and then he'll say oh yeah but also i was you know like filming this or doing this or they've you know I, they go well, you never mentioned you, you were doing that as well so oh yeah i don't know kind of like um <laughs> so he's so he is extraordinarily busy at the moment i can understand you know there, there's trying to count you know balance well not even balance but to find a little corner for us to do some of the musical yeah. stuff yeah well, that's it, a real consideration it's tricky you know they, they, it was definitely i mean because at one point it was definitely on the cards this year uh we were definitely going to tour this year but i think i can't talk about exactly what's happened but i think something else has now come up oh. uh, we'll find out about in due course um i know you really want me to tell you but i'm not going to tell you but no. <laughs> it's okay we don't, we don't want to get you pressure trouble. you either yeah, <laughs> yeah. we don't want we, we would like that to come on eventually at some point. So. <laughs> I just can't help but, like, I want him to be super successful because, like, I know that, like, all of, you know, the movie stuff and the TV yeah. show stuff is what makes you the money. But I just, like, I've been so in love with the music for so long yeah. that I'm well, like, I, mean, I just want to, like, see it. I think the lovely thing for him probably is that he's never going to stop doing the music. And if, and in a way, if everything went away his success he'd probably just go like great i can do that i can actually do what i want to do you know i mean again yeah perhaps a bit big bit speculative but i got you know i i think um it wouldn't surprise me to an extent you know he's certainly not going to be like one you know kicking his heels wondering what to do if it all if it all sort of like went away one day he'd just be cracking on with uh doing the music yeah. doing some paintings or whatever you know sort of yeah well, that's great of, news that yeah. there is new music in the pipeline. I mean, yeah. I think we had suspected as much, but mm -hmm. the confirmation is yeah. reassuring. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely reassuring. And I just, um, I wonder if, you know, he is doing so much just so he can. It would be awesome for him to, you know, for him to be this busy with the other stuff where he can just be like, okay, I'm going to take a break because I can. 
I don't need to worry about the money. I'm just going to, you know, take a break and do what I love. And I'm going to get the some music out and refresh and reset. And then if I want to go back to the other stuff, I'll go back to the other stuff, you know. But it's just like it'll be. It, I, 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 yeah, I, I agree with you. I wonder how that really if, if that's how it really works. Not for him, but but for everyone in that, you know, yeah. does the machine just, unless you're super, super kind of like steadfast in it, is it just easier to go, okay, you know, people are asking you left, right and centre to do these things and you don't want to let those people down because a lot of them have probably put you where you are. You know what I mean? Do you do, it, I guess it probably becomes quite hard to, to, to say to say no. Right. Um, again, that's me guessing as much as, as anything yeah. else. You know, well, um, that's what we do. We speculate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't have any hard answers but... until matt comes on to speak with us yeah be like no that's not true this is what i'm doing <laughs> but yeah it's a. Uh, I don't know i feel bad sometimes because it, it does seem like he's pulled in a billion directions and i hope he does say no i don't want to do this if he doesn't think it's something that would be worthwhile for him really, like, for the most part he's quite open to, to you know trying things and doing things i think he's definitely more more likely to to consider anything he's asked to do he'll certainly consider it and and think yeah maybe that'll be good i don't think he's ever gonna like no i don't do you know i don't do that yeah he's always interested in what he might learn from it with with the the new album it's it's kind of like i'm I'm not you know because matt's saying he wants it to be i think it's gonna be really different because you must never do the same thing again and i'm like well i think there's quite a lot more to explore within what we're the sort of things that we're exploring in Milkbone, I think there's a lot more that I'd like to sort of touch upon and things like that because it references. But I mean, you know, I'd like to mm-hmm. think some of it's original, but it's definitely obviously a lot of referring back to lots of different musics that I listened to when I when I was young and Matt and James as well, you know. Um, and I think there's loads more that we could be kind of like looking at within that. But then again, that was Matt's idea last week that he wanted it to be really different <laughs> from <laughs> what we'd done before. So. Uh, and that's definitely his trend. Other than Witch Hazel and Kill the Wolf, every single one of his albums are like completely like Phantom Birds and the Blue Elephant yeah. couldn't be yeah. more different. Oh, I know, absolutely. Yeah. And I it's think that, you know, and that will be that that that's you know a more power to him, really. You yeah. know, for, for for doing that, it's great. Um, and I, you know, I I, I you know I, I I get it, but I also um I know I've been guilty of like especially go in a way going back to earlier on. Um, talk about bass playing and, and overplaying and things like that. Part of that was feeling that I needed to reinvent the wheel every time I picked up the bass. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and it's not like you don't. <laughs> you just kind of like you just really do it. Don't need to do it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of um, it's you know you because then it becomes you doing it for the sake of doing it rather than you know and and that's I, I'm not sure. You yeah. know, I, the milkbone thing. I'm not sure. I mean, I've written. You know, there's a lot of stuff short sections, things like that. And it's been, at the moment, it's lots about moods and things like that. Matt sent me something the other day and I just went like, he sent me two or three things. And then this one, I went, Matt, that is absolutely it. That is so, uh, uh, it's just a bit of a, some synth stuff that he'd programmed and he'd recorded it with a mic on, you know, with a microphone on the speaker. So it sounded quite distant and a bit eerie. And as soon as I heard it, I went, that's it. That's the atmosphere. Definitely for one of the tracks that we want that. And, you know, it's uh, so, so I guess like that's that's how my criticism works. Is that I'm either going, yeah, that's great, or that's really it. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's you know. 
that's that's, that's, you know, so then, but then I think then he knows really. But now that. <laughs> Um, the more enthusiastic it yeah, is, yeah, the yeah, more yeah. you really mean it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, there is something to be said, though. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I find so interesting with Matt's music is he is genre changing cons- constantly, yeah. which is always keeps it interesting and fresh. But also not knowing what you're going to get from time to time is um, weird. But, you know, cool. It's exciting. But at the same time, there's something to be said about a band that keeps the same style and just produces new music under that style. So I don't think it would be a bad thing for Milkbone is Milkbone. You know, you come to expect it like to be this way. So, you know, we can expand on that, but still make it fresh. That's why I've got like, yeah. And that's why Red Lodge, which is a, you know, another thing that I do, uh, which I've been trying to kind of like, I've been thinking about what it's like, be interested when you guys hear it, what what you think. I hear a lot of eight as if I feel like, what was I thinking? Yeah, when a lot of it makes me think of kind of Tears for Fears and um, Talk Talk. Oh, I listened love to that. It. I, said, I said, is that what I was kind of feeling a bit when I was doing writing this stuff? It's got a bit of that kind of production. Yeah. Sort of, so it's a bit shinier production wise. I was more, I was interested to see like, um, could I do a bit more of that kind of slicker kind of production thing? And it seemed to suit Harriet's voice well and things like that. I could see um, that. It just seems like it's not sustainable to continually, continuously, completely change your style. Who does it? David Barry, I suppose, did it, didn't he? To you know, that became in a way over a period of time, you know, this reinvention of yourself, either as a persona or as a a stylistic, you know. Yeah. And you, you you know, it was extraordinary that you know he that he did that successfully sometimes and perhaps not so much other times. But also, I bet you'll find like across. If you, you know, if you quiz people, you know, some people say, oh, my favorite album is Lodger or something, you know, one which is sort of really tricky, <laughs> I find kind of quite difficult or, you know, or Low, Low is the best album he ever did. Yeah. Whereas other people, you know, it'll be Young America, you know, uh, Station to Station or something like that, you know, it's... it's say Station to oh, Station, yeah. You know, kind of a purist that I like Hunky Dory. <laughs> yeah, I love Hunky Dory. <laughs> I love Hunter and um, Ollie. It's my son Ollie's favorite album as well of his. I, so. It's pretty perfect. Yeah, can't yeah. really get much better than that. There's not. There's just not a lot of musicians that do it, and the ones that can do it successfully, I, like Matt does, I think is really it's special. Yeah. Um, Paul Simon is another one that pops into my head that he plays with like it, really take, different styles. Drums, jump into a different genre and see, and kind of set that. This is going to be my palette for this. Yeah. For this album, I think. Again, perhaps that's again with Matt being an artist, because I actually, and he won't mind me telling you this, I noticed on this on this post, this board where he's laying out what he's going to do for the album, he's listed the instruments he's going to use, and it's a limited, mm. very limited list of instruments that he's going to use on it. Interesting. Kind of setting yeah. himself this kind of, uh, you know, um, which we talked about a bit, and it's also slightly to do with what when we were talking about redesigning the studio, part of that is that he he wants it kind of quite clear, but he can bring instruments in for a particular project because because mm. his studio at the moment is just like it's overwhelming. I don't know if he's ever because I know there are pictures online of it. Yeah, sure. yeah, we and, yeah. suspect we probably have the layout memorized. Every all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and he's kind of going like, yeah, but it's it becomes like, you know, you've got an idea and then you spend 20 minutes looking around the room trying to think what you're going to use for that idea. He said, I want it all out of the room and I bring in five things and they are going to be the things that I use on this track or whatever, you know, and that's it. So, again, a bit like I suppose you could say 
limiting your your colors yeah and there's no bad thing about that you know I, I kind of you know in this world of computers where you can access any sound you want right i ended up using mainly old i've got an old electric piano an old little synth that someone gave me this you know bits and pieces i, I didn't i hardly used any software at all and matt didn't use as far as i know matt didn't use any software oh cool uh, and guitars and drums and um yeah. And I mean, I, I think, it, I, I mean, I think actually, you know, Matt is saying, he says, I can't believe how good the album sounds considering we did the way we did it. <laughs> um, you know, which is like, he, he said, it sounds like it was recorded in a really, you know, great studio. And he said, he said I can't believe we just did it all in our room, sort of. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's really, no, I'm not the most objective party, but I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty really... astounding that you recorded it the way you did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why we were like, I, how does that even work? I don't even understand how that would happen. But you're literally just passing along snippets of sound and layering and mixing. And it's just, I don't know. Yeah, that's... I mean, so, some of them are more, you know, that, you know, it's, um, it, it's, yeah, that is exactly that really. And, um, and I think Matt, I kind of like quite often, I, I it's very good for me because I do, you know, I was doing quite a lot of the writing and, and, and it's just to have Matt to go, stop now get rid of that get rid of your putting too much on all this thing where he would just suddenly say flip that round let make 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 what you think is the verse the chorus i mean as much as you have it in an instrumental music but you know what i mean yeah chorus yeah. he said it's obviously should be that way around and i go really and then you just do it and he said yeah trust me and you do it and you're like well yeah that's great he's very <laughs> nice like, like he is he hears stuff i mean he was listening to my son's stuff and he was going like we were talking about because it, it's quite heavy on guitars and things like that. And he went, right, what he's got to do is he's got to get rid of all those guitars and just record one loud guitar. He said, you just need one guitar. He said, what, what he's got to learn is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying it to him in the car. But he's like, yeah, he's just... This thing, he's got the... You know, it's that confidence just to go, this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. You know, to do... And, and to be honest, that's how stuff gets done. Yeah. And it might not be the only way. It's not the only way it could be done. But it will be done, you know, in in that way, and it's going to have his stamp on it, you know, completely. So, so he'll tell me that with the milkman. So, so you do this, and I go, yeah, 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 and then I just kind of do the rest of it, and then play it back to him, and he goes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair, but no, that's not fair because he was, you know, he he was very um, aware of my, you know, he knew how much work I was putting into the thing as well you know and he did and at one point he was very he said look Milkbone's your project he said I'm getting embarrassed because he was sort of you know because he said you know he was being interviewed about it a lot and stuff like that and he said look you've got to I said well no I, I you know uh, the realism is Matt no one would listen to this album I said you know it's such a gift that you you know you you wanted to be part of this and things like that but the main thing is for the first time ever, I'm getting past the front door in terms of, you know, like you said, you like, you like the Red Lodge thing. No one, no one was interested in listening to that at all. And I've done so many albums with so many people, with Twisted Roots, things like that. I've, yeah. I, you know, this isn't me. I've just done so much good music over the years and just never seen it get past the front door of anyone, you know, even to be considered to be listened to. And it's just such a privilege. It's been so exciting, really, in a way that people actually listen, you know, finally listening to something that I've been involved in and going like, oh, this is, this is good. And I said, yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, right. but it's, it's, um, it's just, that's, that's the reality, isn't it? We all know that's the reality. Yes. Yeah. Really know. sad to you though, because the people, some of the artists that do get the recognition are just like this crap though. Like, I don't, I just don't get it. 
I yeah. just really don't. And then there's so much good music that's just word of mouth, really. Yeah. I never would have heard of yeah. uh, the Twisted Roots yeah. or Red Lodge, or I wouldn't have heard of any of that yeah. over here. That's one of the reasons that we wanted to do this podcast is because even Matt is not well-known here. I mean, he is more right. now because of what we do in the shadows, yeah. but nobody knows his music. And we're like, okay, we're people out of maybe a handful that, you know, knows his music and would love to spread the word about it because I feel like it's, you know, he's not just the funny guy. This is this whole other side. That's just really remarkable. And people need to know, and people here really don't know. It's not easy to get his albums. You really have to jump through a lot of hoops or, and, you know, like pay a ton in postage to get stuff for it to just be sitting there for months and months before it even gets here. And yeah. I'm I'm surprised he a distribution in the States. So are we. Yeah. Yeah. My worry is, I have yeah. to tell you this, um, I have been waiting for probably 13 years to see Matt live. And I am worried now that he is so popular that they're going to announce UK dates and they're just going to be done. And I can't even get one, even with my like, I will fly over the pond <laughs> to see it. Like, that's what I'm worried about. I just feel like you it's going to be so I would say, hey, I'll give, you, I'll give you a heads up. But I can just imagine I won't get told until... Sounds like that's um, about right. Three weeks notice. Yeah. We'd be like, shit. Um, Let me ask, what are you listening to now? What What do you recommend? Um, It's on your turntable. Yeah, what is on yeah. my turntable? Not, not, not a great deal apart from my son's mixes, which seem to take me forever. His his albums. I'm not, I'm not trying to be facetious, or, or I don't actually listen to that much music. <laughs> apart from what I'm working on. Um, it's partly to keep your heads clear a bit because yeah, I'm quite a lot of mixing and mastering and things like that, and I'm listening super, super critically a lot of the time. I have a friend. My oldest friend, actually, I've known him since I was about eight years old, and we still he still lives quite near me. And he's not a musician, but he is a complete music nut. And he keeps me provided with playlists. And it used to be he'd keep me provided with mixtapes. Then it was CDs, and now it's playlists of um, all kinds of things. He's re- he's got really um, broad, uh, you know, a broad taste as well. So he's always been a, a good source for all kinds of things. And he'll, he'll choose some kind of like... He, He'll say, right, I'm going to take accordion, but I'm going to send you stuff to every possible kind of music that features accordion. Oh, my gosh. Something like that. And so you'll get, and, you know, and you suddenly realise it's all over the world, you know, and you'll go, like, from, again, you kind of, like, dub reggae has, you know, kind of got, like, accordion or melodica on it, or some East European thing, or... um Obviously, all the the deep south kind of things, Zydeco and things like that. I love Zydeco. And uh, a lot of South American bandoneon things like Astor Piazzolla and things like that. And you just go like, oh, my God, this is such a cool way of, you know, uh, of kind of hearing things. Then he he got into mandolin massively and played me stuff from all over the world from mandolin, including some extraordinary stuff. There's a um, Brazilian guy called Hamilton de Holanda, which is which is incredible. But, uh, yeah, and then and then I'm just kind of. I mean, I'm you know still having the interest in sort of um, jazz and things like that. I guess I'm listening to some of these younger players, people like uh, um, I don't know if you guys will know them, like Lewis Cole or Snarky Puppy or um, yeah, who who doing quite interesting compositionally sort of stuff. And again, it's is it jazz really? It's kind of it's quite electronic, quite a lot of it. 
Um, I went to see a band called Ghost Note the other day at Ronnie Scott's. Amazing band. Kind of recreating a bit like the James Brown kind of thing. Oh, but, cool. But, I mean, incredible, incredible band. Uh, and then, my, you know, like stuff, my son, you know, he's just been getting me into some singer, you know, writer, singer, songwriters that I should have been more aware of. And a lot of pop stuff that I, you know, that I kind of go like, do you know the Beths from New Zealand? I love them. Oh, I just great. bought a couple of their albums. Fantastic. He went to see them um, last month, I think. He's kind of obsessed with them at the moment. And, um, but also, I mean, he's gone like, you know, he's, he, he wants to be Stephen Maltness from Pavement at the moment. I think that's what he really wants to be. Mm. There's um, worse things to emulate. Yeah, 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 totally. And uh, Elliot Smith, he's really into as well. Um, and... Elliot Smith is like my go-to for a lot of things in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Ollie, I mean, to be honest, you Absolutely. know, I don't think he'll mind me discussing too, you know, this, this whole music thing happened. I, you know, he, he was 16 when he lost his mum, you know, in, in 2019. And this whole music thing's happened about, I mean, he'd been interested in music before that, but it, but the writing and everything all came out about three months after that happened. It suddenly, all this stuff started coming out mm. and, um, we played and we ended up playing together stuff. And when we do that, you know, I, I produce his stuff for the most part. And it's been really good for us sort of, you know, to kind of keep us sort of um, really bonded us well. And um, yeah, and it's, it's, you know, I think it's, it's, it's certainly kind of, you know, it's been his release and it's just so cool to see that he seems to be touching wood, that something seems to be happening a bit for the, for him with it. He's at university as well. He's just started at university and that's, uh, he's a bit, you know, he's twenty, but COVID and and taking a year out after after losing his mum meant, you know, he's kind of started a bit late. You know, he's come to it all a bit late, and it's just been so cool to see him kind of embracing life in a way. You know, that it's been a bit delayed, but he's really having a great time at the moment, doing all the so, things he's been doing. That's good. Did you did you think that he was going to be into music in the same way that you no, were? He told, me, he told me he was too intelligent to be a musician. Yeah. <laughs> that is a burn okay yeah. so that is a burn so you yeah. never saw it coming and then <laughs> i knew bonded he was over very it. musical he's very musical and he liked yeah. playing and fiddling around and you know things like that but uh he said yeah no i don't think i'll actually and i still i mean he's doing he's studying sociology and he's writing i still think okay. I'll, I'll be interested i mean he's at the moment he's really got his eyes on the music thing he's working really hard at it and working on his you know the writing and everything but also he's pretty dogged with the social media and all that side of things as well which of course you have to be now yeah. but i'm wondering if he might i'm not sure what he might end up doing whether he might end up writing or something i'm not sure yeah so a lot of a lot of things i've been listening to through him mainly because he won't let me near if we're driving anywhere or anything like that <laughs> and occasionally I'll, I'll try and find something that i think he might like like some xtc i got i played him some xtc and he actually really liked nice. some of that um and i kind of always trying to think of bands from that period that he might find you know that he might really like some of their songs and he kind of goes he, he goes like he's kind of goes, mm -hmm. and then i see him and i know he's added it to his playlist. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah yeah i'm kind of guilty of doing this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh and then like what was that again <laughs> shazam shazam <laughs> that's hilarious so yeah. I've been curious about the vinyl because I ha I have a I'm very into indie rock. They will do like 
very limited runs of the vinyl and then it's like just like a a clusterfuck of people being like oh all of a sudden the vinyl is worth double or triple yeah. of of what i've seen, I've seen a couple for. i have seen a couple of copies of milkbone coming up on ebay um which i was quite surprised by i think vinyl has become been a bit of a savior for for um a lot of bands because people want the you know people want to buy it at the moment and um it's it's expensive to make but the profit margin is you know it, it, people are prepared to pay a decent whack for it and i think it's, it's, if you make it kind of value added to an extent if you give it you make it something nice that people want to have as well you know because that's what albums meant to me back in the day yeah. you know something about holding them in your hands and reading all the sleeve notes and just that you right. know the physicality of it you know that i think people miss and no. matt's I mean, has said to me on numerous occasions, we couldn't finance the tours without the merchandise. So that's why we've been a little bit sad because I feel like he has no reason to do it besides his like love the music. And like, would you really want to do it for no money? Do you want to do it for no money? And everybody is out there like, oh say the laszlo thing and we're like shut up like we'd be in the audience like <laughs> well, yeah. For yeah, yeah, that. yeah i think that's part of the problem now because he's waited so long between touring and you said it was already an issue in the small hours tour and we were actually talking about what if you all came here and toured but then you have like 99 percent of the people are only going to know him as Laszlo and then, you know, going yeah. back and seeing the other stuff. So he's going to have to fight that whole thing again about some kind of campaign, wouldn't coming. you? Before you come, you'd have to, I don't, the only way I could see it, you'd have to run some kind of publicity right. thing where this is what this is about. This isn't about, you know, yeah. I, the only way I can yeah. imagine it working. Or being on a podcast about. Yeah, or being on a podcast, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a long time ago, when we finished um, the uh, Night Terrors album, and uh, Matt was thinking about doing remixes, and he said, "Oh, do you fancy doing a couple of remixes?" And it was, and I went, "Yeah, all right, I'll have a go." And I really, I wanted to do Obsessed and So, so I did this, but we never did anything with it. I did it, and then that was it. And Matt said, "Oh, yeah, I really like it, you know." And you know, it was one point there was going to go on a a, a, um, a a remix album that he released. But so that was, you know, so that was the first thing that Matt ever asked me to, to do, sort of like, um, and, and he just rang me up after he said, you're mad, but I like it. So, yeah, he said, I love it. So uh, anyway, we did it. And then I spoke to him, you know, I said, I was going to do this. And I said, do you mind if I put it out there? And he said, no, do whatever you want with it. It's for you guys, I realised, even though I didn't know it at the time. Because. For you guys. No one's ever heard it before. So That's uh, awesome. You probably hate That's it. so <laughs> exciting. Obsessed and so obscure remix. I must have been a hundred feet, but had no fear. 
And I just want to say we are so appreciative. This has been really cool. Oh, I've really enjoyed it. We really do appreciate it. Right. Well, we want to thank Phil once more for joining us. It's been better conversation than we could have dreamed. And we're so, so grateful for having him on. As always, you can follow us for more content at Obsessed Obscure on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and on our Discord channel. Thanks for listening in. And we'll see you next time. Think my-